This morning, we're going to do a case study. So we're talking about, is, is marriage relevant in our class? And last week, we looked at statistics, and we laid out kind of, here's the groundwork that we're, that we're looking at. Here's kind of the terrain, if you will, of what marriage is in culture right now and what it is in the church right now. And I'll say it again, because it's going to be easy in, in this uh, set up, it's really easy to make it us versus them or us and them. Just and them, not against them, right? It's very easy for us to think about that rather than thinking how the gospel is the great equalizer and how if we know anything, it's because God has opened your eyes to it, okay? So, uh, just wanted to remind mind you of that. What we're going to do is we're going to look at this case study, and I'm going to have you guys go through um, a few questions, and then we'll stop and talk about them, and then I'll send you back to do the last three questions, okay? All right. This is not a true story. David and Tim are brothers, two years apart. Sorry, we're reading the case study now, so you can look at your sheet. On their family vacation, David asked Tim to come along on a grocery run. Since they were alone, David knew he could ask, how are things going with Kathy? Y'all have been together a few years now, David asks. I actually just ended things with her, Tim replies. What? David cries. I thought y'all were talking about getting married. Tim quickly points out, no, she was talking about getting married. She was pushing it on me over and over And I didn't want to. I kept telling her I didn't need a piece of paper to show her that I love her. And I'm committed to us. She could have seen my love for her and our relationship. I mean, we lived together for two years. That wasn't the only thing, Tim continues. What do you mean, David asks. Tim admits, it felt like the passion of things was wearing off. I got tired of her work schedule. Things just cooled way down between us. And our relationship started to feel like a duty. It wore me out. So you ended it? David asks. Yes, I did a couple weeks ago. It was like our compatibility wasn't as strong as I had hoped. I felt like I was definitely putting more into the relationship than she was, Tim adds. I'm sorry for that, David says. What a good brother. (laughs) Wow. Nah, it's okay. It's better for me now that she moved on, Tim says. How so, David asks. I know more than... I know more what I want in a woman. Kathy showed me what kind of weaknesses I can't put up with for too long. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, at your table, talk about the first one, two, three, four questions. And if you weren't here last week, you might not know what number four is, and that's totally fine. Okay? So if you weren't here last week and didn't see the percentages and everything or you don't have them memorized, that's okay. I just asked for categories. So, what were the categories that we talked about last week? So, you have four questions, four bullet points, okay? Do them at your table, ready, go. All right, let's come back together. All you people with blue papers from last week, you just get a leg up on everyone else.
Yeah, I see some y'all cheaters. Yeah. No, you're extra prepared. You're the Hermione's of the group. Okay, here's what I want to do. I want us to talk through these three or four points and then finish up by doing the last three. But first, let's discuss these. How would you, at your table, how did y'all describe Tim's view of love and marriage? What are Tim's top values? What did you guys say? Tim? Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Yeah. Good. What else? Passion. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, contractual. Yep. Everything will always be happy. Yeah, everything's always be happy. Puppy dogs and ice cream. Yeah. That's how it is at my house. I don't know how it is at all. Maybe no, I'm just kidding. That's right. Yeah, it's about him, not her work. Right? Again, it's about Tim. Yeah. Okay. But thinking about his views, and let's, for clarity's sake, say he's a non-Christian. Okay? He's my brother, but he's a non-Christian. What can you affirm as true and good, like biblical, in what he thinks about love and romance? See, we don't do this very well. Christians do not do this very well. Christians are really good at critiquing. We're not as good at affirming. But every time that you talk to a non-Christian, there's going to be something that you can affirm, even if it's just 1%. The hard work is trying to figure out what's that 1%, you know? He didn't marry her. He didn't marry her. He spent two years in a relationship. So he committed... Yeah, he didn't just fake it. He was truthful. Yeah. Like Lee said, he didn't marry her. No one else on the scene, no, it was just them two. Yeah. So he only had one, yeah. Semi-monogamy. Anything else? Second one? Right, yeah. He did recognize that, yeah. You do have to work at relationships. Yeah. Good. See? You can do it. You can affirm. It's okay. It's not all or nothing. All right. How does the Bible depict passion in the essence of love? Right? Like, how do we look at passion when we're thinking about love in the Bible or love as a Christian? Are we for it? Against it? Neither? Both? What? What does your table say? How do they answer? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's what I was going to say if no one said it. Like, have you read Song of Songs? <laughs> yeah. What else? What did y'all say? Um, I think that uh, passion is not the essence of love in the Bible. It's a side benefit from it. The essence of love in the scripture seems to be sacrifice mm. and giving to the other person. Here, I'm, you should just come sit here and be teaching, right? It's just, yeah, the sacrificial side of it, for sure. Yeah, if passion is what's at the very center, if you don't know this, it gets hot and cold in your marriage. It gets lukewarm at times, you know, like, and you want it to be passionate all the time. But the truth is, it's not always passionate, right? I mean, let's be honest. It's not always perfect, and that's okay. Good. Anything else? There's not a lot in the Bible about dating. We about just, what? You just touched on this. There's, there's not a lot about dating. Dating. And, and trying to do what Tim and Kathy are struggling about is just checking some categories. Yeah. We do live in a different culture where marriage is not a Yeah, it's really different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole concept that we got stuck on that actually, not taking stuck on how do you, <laughs> on the affirming part, like, well, how do you take accountability? Or, or, or that you're compatible, and how do you discern that now in today's world? So. Yeah, that's good. Christy, don't ask anything hard. <laughs> you're smart. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It has led to a lot of problems throughout the millennium, millennia. Uh, yeah, when that's like at the very center of it, right? The very center of love is passion. Yeah, that definitely applies. Yeah. What would I describe as physical passion? Can you have true passion without love? Is that what you're asking? I mean, it's definitely selfishness. It's, I mean, I would say lust. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're longing for something that you're not in, interested in committing to. Yeah, we actually had an article where we had to distinguish between passion because there are instances where that is like in Colossians 3 and then in First Peter 1 where it talks about like passions of your former ignorance and passions is considered the work of the flesh. So is this a good or bad thing? Because mm-hmm. obviously a lot of bad and good things. But I think passion, when it was like in David's case with Bathsheba, that passion was him wanting it, as kind of C.S. Lewis talked about, like, he just wanted it, not her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that can be a good way to distinguish um, passion.
passion that comes from true love of loving that person rather than loving it or the things that that person can bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the big thing is I wanted you to see, like in the Bible, there are times where passion is a good thing and there are times when passion gets to be a bad thing, right? A lot of times we think about passion, it's the center of the, rela- of the relationship, it's the center of love, and it's like, no, that's not what the center is. The pure essence of it is more sacrifice and love, and yes, you might have passion, which there are also times where it's going to be hard and you're going to have to make a sacrifice, like John said. You're going to have to sacrifice, and you're going to have to work at it. It's not always easy. It's not always, you know, uh, what, is, what does Tim say? It's better for me now that she moved out. I know more what I want in a woman. Like, he's just, like, dissing her to the side. So, all right, here's what I want. Oh, last one. Did you remember, or if you had your sheet from last week, were there any uh, statistics that, Tim would have been a part of cohabitating, Cohabitating, living together. That was one. Testing compatibility, compatibility. living together to test compatibility, right? Talk about that. The compatibility, yeah, yeah. I I was saying living together in order to know compatibility. Yeah. Because it really helps to, to sort out whether or not this is a long term relationship. But you're, are you saying it's okay to live together? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She was affirming the good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Alice. You are. I'm sorry. Well, I, would, I mean, first thing I'd say is Tim, Tim is a non-Christian. That's how I wrote it, kind of assumed it. Um, so I think you could say, uh, no, I don't think it's a good idea that y'all get married if one of you is a Christian, one of you's not. I don't know if that's what you're asking exactly, but that's what I would say. Yeah. Our culture would look at that and say, this is positive. And I'm not, it's not clear to me what our response to that is as a Christian other than say that's not God's plan for your life, which, which may be fine from a Christian perspective, but our culture is going to be like, what do you mean? Okay. We're going to get to that. That's one of the questions below that we're going to get to. So can I hold, hold, hold on to it? It's a good question. It's a worthwhile question. Question, and if we don't answer it, raise your hand and bring it up again. 
Okay. Okay, here's what I want you to do now. Wait, I cut everybody off. We're good? Good on that one? No one's hands raised? Okay. Now, at your table, I want you to do the last three, where you have to read Genesis and then answer your last two questions. All right, let's come out together for our final time talking and sharing. All right. So we read about Genesis 2, and you read about cleaving, or uh, what, was the, what was the other version? What did it say? Hold fast. Hold fast. Cleaving. You see the... Uh, how this is a quote from Meaning of Marriage, and it talks about how the Hebrew word for cleave literally means to be glued to something. Elsewhere in the Bible, the word cleave means to unite to someone through a covenant or binding promise. Okay? So on the back, I gave you a definition of a covenant, contractual mindset. Gene brought that up. So what would you affirm about, or I'd say, what are the similarities between a covenant and a contract? And what are some differences? So first, similarities. How are they similar? They're binding. How long binding? As long as the contract says? Okay, terms of the contract, yeah. Two people? Yep. And both have to be in agreement. Both have to be in agreement. Yep. Okay. How are they different? Like, what's the difference? Like, I have a I have a contract with AT and T for my internet, <laughs> right? And as long as I, that sounds like a better relationship than Tim's, right? Um, <laughs> As long as I pay, they give me internet, right? Pay, get, give, get, give, get, right? It's, that's a contract. And if I break it, if I don't pay, they're going to stop. They're not going to give me free internet. You know that. Not in this day and age. Yes. You can, yeah. I think it's called a covenant. <laughs> so when I do weddings, we talk about contract versus covenant in premarital counseling. And covenant is this thing where if you look on the if you look on the back on that definition, it's binding promises to each other, working together for a common goal, which what do we say Tim's value was? Tim. So I don't know that Kathy is going to be working towards Tim's common goal. Right? They're accompanied by oaths, signs, and ceremonies. Covenants define obligations and commitments. But they're different from a contract because they're relational and personal. So did you get that? Like, It's different in that it's a binding promise. It's, a, it's working towards a common goal, right? 
It has oaths, signs, and ceremonies to represent it, like a ring. And then uh, obligations and commitments, that's in a contract, right? AT&T is obligated if I give them my money, like you're, you're supposed to give me my internet, right? But in here it talks about obligations, commitments, but they're also relational and personal. That's a very different mindset than a contract. A contract I can get out of, right? A covenant is supposed to be something that is forever, especially a marriage covenant. Okay? So, the contractual view versus the covenantal view. That last question, second to last question. What did you say? What were your, what were your answers for that? How could Tim and Kathy's relationship have looked if it was a covenant mindset rather than a contractual mindset? Yeah, they, but Tim and Kathy need to have a covenant mindset. Right? Because if, if one has a covenant, one has a contract, those are different mindsets. At least get married, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I like C.S. Lewis's illustration of Gunnfett as two people looking at each other, facing each other, or two people standing side by side, going in the same direction. Hmm. And I think one sort of is the contract approach, the other is a covenant where you are agreeing together to work toward a common goal. Yeah, that's great. Anytime you can quote C.S. Lewis, yeah. Did y'all hear what he said? Okay. He said yes. All right, anything else? Yep. Yeah. What, I don't. What's your question? Oh, okay. Yeah. As you read through the whole Bible, for the Old Testament and New Testament, there's constant talk of bride and groom imagery between God and His people, Old Testament and New Testament. Yeah. Any final ones on contracts and covenant? I had a spot. For covenant, it's like the, the relationship is like its own thing. And so you want to kind of tend that thing and fix things related to it because you're committed not just to each other but to the relationship. Yeah, that's great. Did y'all hear what she said? Not really. She was saying that uh, a contract, a covenant... Is something, it's, it's like a relationship that you work on. It's the relationship that matters and not just like what I want. And so in a covenant, you're both working on the same thing. You're both uh, um, tending to the relationship is, is what you said, right? And so uh, the relationship is the important part, not just what do I want or what does she want? It's different. The relationship is, is the uh, focus. 
Yeah. Do you think Tim should have been the one initiating the covenant? Because it sounds like it's the woman who wants to actually get married. As the leader, shouldn't he demonstrate you know, God's covenant to us, God being the one who makes our covenant? We're not the ones who are like, all right, we want God to make a covenant with us. God's the one who acts. Or is that making it too, like putting it too much in a box? I would say, I would tell them not to get married because they're, he's not a Christian. So he doesn't have a covenant view of marriage. Our culture has a contractual view of marriage. And I think those are really different. Yeah. So I don't want to hold him to a standard that's not right. something that he lives by. But if he was to live by, would he have been initiating? Yeah, maybe. It doesn't have to. Yeah. All right, what are y'all's takeaways? We got five min- four minutes left. Yes. We had one point at our table that uh, sometimes the sex complicates the communication, that maybe they don't have as good a, a building of the relationship in that common goal that you're talking about working side by side when they're mm-hmm. facing each other. That was one point. The second point was um, a wise woman once said to me that living as friends for a year developing your relationship before marriage seeing someone in all seasons was a very good thing. Mm-hmm. And that gave you that sense of what this is about, who we are as two people, as friends. Yeah, that makes sense. So more like kind of Rena was saying, like working on the relationship as opposed to just working on myself, like selfishly. I want to say something to the, the first thing you said about how sex makes it more complicated. And I... I will say when they're living together and they're having sex, their bodies are making promises that they have no intention to keep. Like, I will give all of myself to you right now only because you're giving it to me. Or I'm going to give you myself, but I don't really want to stick around. Or this doesn't mean that I'm committed. This doesn't seal the deal that relationship is my priority. It just shows me what my priority is. So yeah. So I would be curious. Come back to um, Mitch, Mitch's question. Mitch, can we come back to your question? Yeah. So I would say, what does it look like for you to be curious about their relationship versus critical of their relationship? So talking to them and being curious around, what kind of commitment do you make? Right? Like, what kind of? What's your common goal? What's the thing that y'all are working towards? Are you building your relationship or is it just kind of doing what y'all want to do? That's where I would go with being curious and asking questions as opposed to you're wrong. God says this is wrong and you're wrong and I don't agree with you at all. Like you can take that stance, but I think it's more loving to be curious 
So that's that's where I would go if I was talking maybe to your daughter or whoever the example that you used. Um, that's where I would go if that makes sense. Yeah. What about the fact that maybe in that situation they're not Christians, you are Christians? Does that enter into this too? This is culture and Christianity. That's culture and culture. So I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> Just kidding. Right. In this area. I think a lot of people have different answers. My answer is no. You can't hold them to Christian standards because they're not Christians. And if God allows them to be in his world, then I do too. Yes. Yes. Mm. marriage and committed relationships are good, we don't have to convince them that because it's God's rule for them, because it's not God's rule for them, because they don't, they're not believers. But if we can explain, and in full transparency, our, our daughter is in a relationship right now with someone who's not a believer. And so the conversation with her is not about what God says about marriage. We, we can have that conversation with her, but we can't have it with him. He doesn't believe those things. And so, but we can have the conversations about do you understand that the longer relationship goes on, the longer the intimacy, the intimacy is growing, and all these connections are growing. And so the potential harm to both people mm-hmm. is greater. And so if at some point there's not a commitment and a higher level of commitment and a higher level of commitment, that that the potential is to end very badly. And even a non-believer can kind of get that, right? Because they've experienced or they've seen it go down that way in other people in their lives. Yeah, that's great. Does that help? More helpful? That's why we have a community, right? <laughs> so all help each other. I like that. But, but and, and to watch these young people, I think his point is more, even for a Christian, help them understand what the benefits and the, why said God says marriage is good, as opposed to, well, you know, God says it's good, so we just, that's the way to do it. But I mean, there has to be a reason why. Or they're going to say, okay, well, we're still committed, and God's still part of our relationship. We still don't need a piece of paper. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, my, my goal this morning is to answer the question, why do I need a piece of paper? And to, to talk about the contractual relationships versus a covenantal relationship. And like you said, to point out the benefits. Not to say, here are all the things that are wrong with you. It's, here's what a covenant relationship is, like what Lee was talking about. And then even talking about relationships in general and him talking about how you grow in intimacy and what. Yeah. Etc. Etc. Yeah. Yeah. That that is more persuasive. I agree. It was it was better said. You could ask the person if you have to 
yourself that you, you know, when you say, why do I live in piece of paper? Why not have a piece of paper? If that's what you say, yeah. believe, put it on paper. Yeah. What's the deal? What's the big deal? Okay. Yeah, one more thing. Yeah. That's a great point. I wrote it on purpose to be controversial and questioning. That's how you write case studies, you know? All right, it's 10.35, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to break. And don't worry, next week you'll have Jimmy up here, so it's upgrade. You won't have to do stuff like this. All right, Heavenly Father, thank you for our time. Thank you for uh, your goodness to us. Uh, that you are a covenantal God with us when we don't deserve it, Um, when we treat you as a contractual God. Lord, forgive us, change us, give us opportunities to talk with others about that, give us wisdom uh, as we talk with our children or our friends, um, our family. Uh, Help us to know uh, what to say and what not to say, and Pray that you would just guide those conversations as you give them to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.